League Switzerland and U.S. program, Austin Matthews. The belly box, Nylander gets an extra shift. William Nylander shoots. He scores! The coach played a hunch and the kid has his first National Hockey League goal. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's edition of the Tip of the Tower Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. Joining me, as always, is David Morissuti and Jake Middleton. We will not talk about anything Super Bowl-related or Mike Babcock's love for the Patriots. Or respect. I won't say love. Respect. I promise, Jake. So don't worry. We will talk about the Leafs. You know, the 3-1 victory tonight over the Dallas Stars. Guys, Curtis McElhinney looked pretty damn good. Is this something we should expect going forward? Or is this just kind of, you know, playing some inspired hockey? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like a kind of a mixture of both. Uh, from looking at his numbers at Columbus, he was always a pretty decent uh, goalie who when he plays in in uh, you know small amounts of playing time, whether it be like you know fifteen or twenty games a season, I don't know how he would handle an expanded workload, but yeah, he looks pretty good and I would have no issue with them giving uh, Freddie a, a few more uh, days off considering how well McElhinney's been playing. He's in his past two starts he's He's led up to uh, three goals total. So, no, I I think you know your back goalie. I know the least plan is to use him on back to back nights, but I think if you're confident to play your backup goalie and give your starter a little bit more rest, why not? I mean, they play with St. Louis on Thursday. We know how it went the last time they played St. Louis, and they played Buffalo on Saturday. Like, I don't know if I would ride the hot hand for the next game, and then if McLean doesn't have a great game, then they go back to Anderson. That's what I would do, but I, I think Babcock will want to keep Anderson going, although he's not really going at all cylinders right now. Well, he's been so bad recently. Since January, he's got, what, like a below 900 save percentage? I mean, he's just getting lit up since the All-Star break, too. Five goals or more in every single game. Um, I know a lot of talk right now that people are saying is that he's tired. He's faced... Arguably the most shots in the league. I think he's top three. I'd have to go check that. But I know he's he's really high up there for most shots. So is he getting tired? Or do you guys just think this is just a byproduct of how poor the defense is playing? It's a mixture of both. I mean, he's yeah. he's made some really big-time saves. Um, like the one on Tavares yesterday was a really nice save. But he's getting let out to drive by his defenseman. I mean, uh, O-Dog was talking about it today. There's With some Leafs defensemen, they're either – you can't be both stupid or uh, <laughs> soft, and the Leafs have a couple of guys that are stupid and soft. So, I, I mean, you you can either be soft and smart or stupid and physical, and th- the Leafs don't, uh, unfortunately have a few more defensemen that don't have any of those endearing qualities at all. It's <laughs> a pretty good analogy there. <laughs> um, Dave, do you think like the way Babcock coaches – you know, he's, he's obviously uber competitive, and I could see him down the stretch maybe saying, screw it, at the least we're in the thick of the playoff race and playing Anderson on back-to-back nights. So do you think that he's just going to ride him out like you were saying earlier? Or like, what are the chances that McElhinney is actually going to get some more starts? I, I think well, they brought in us, uh, you know, the Leafs have been big on the, the sports science, and I think they're really going to take into the fact of Anderson has never played more than 55 games in a year. Obviously, it'd be nice to see him get an expanded workload, but I don't want him playing 70, 70 or starting 70 games and then go into the playoffs where it just gets even harder. I think it's best to keep the guys fresh, especially Anderson who gets a, who gets worked pretty hard. It's like I don't 
most of the games you watch and play, they're not easy starts for him. I don't think I've seen him have like an easy game where it's it's like he has a, a small workload. So I would be more in favor of giving him some rest when they can. I understand that right now they're in a. Ve- I mean, everything is really close right now, especially in the in the Atlantic Division. So you can make the make the case that he should. They should try to ride him to make sure he's at his best when the playoffs come around. But at the same time, you don't want to burn him out to get to that stage. I don't think it makes any sense to do that. And Macklin has shown that he can he can step in when he's when you have him ready to make that start. You can't just throw him in randomly. If you get him, tell him this is going to be your game. I think he can be. He's a veteran. He's ready for it. That's he's been accustomed to that role for so many years. Just give him give him a chance to to show that he can do it. You're not you, like you're not going to protect Macklin. Like there's no reason to, and there's no reason to protect Anderson either. But I think you you'd be disservicing Anderson if you overplay him. Well, how would you manage his workload then, Jake? Because I know a lot of people are going to keep bringing this up. You know, especially if he keeps struggling, they're going to say, "Hey." He's overworked. He's overworked. I mean, do you buy into that? I mean, it's uh, obviously I do because, you know, he's never played this many games in a season. I mean, how many games has he started this year? Probably around 45? I'm not really sure how many games they've played. He started 43 games. 43 games. And I'm pretty sure his previous career high is, is like 54 or 55, something along those lines. He started 53 two, two years ago. Okay, fifty-three. Uh, sorry, so he's ago. That was he's crazy. catching up on that, and the season's nowhere near the end. I mean, this is also a incredibly uh, compact schedule as comparison. The guy could could say he's not tired, but you know, he, he there's definitely some days where he just doesn't have it. I mean, obviously with the the Stars game, he didn't have it. Um, uh, the, what was the game on on the weekend? He the didn't Boston look very game. good against Boston. the Bruins. Well, a lot of studies show, man, that goalies struggle on the second night of a back-to-back, right? Yeah, Uh, and they just got to not play them on back-to-backs. I mean, they got to, in my opinion, they got to allocate 10 games or or minimum seven games for uh, McElhinney to play because if you're going to be a playoff team, you just can't have him playing 70 games. You can't be doing what Edmonton's doing right now where he's he's literally on pace to play it's like 75 games. Yeah, I can't tell. but Well, because they don't have a backup they can trust in uh, in uh, Edmonton right now. Like, yeah, he's on pace to start 73 games. Jesus. He's, he's already done well, he, 49. You look at down the stretch, I mean, in March and April alone, and you combine the two months, at least have five back-to-backs. So, And those are going to be key moments in the playoff race that likely will decide. You know, I mean, if a McElhinney loss here... And then another McElhinney loss there. Like those, that's going to be four points they're missing out on, and that could be the difference in the playoff race. So I think uh, I think Babs might just ride Anderson, considering how competitive he is. Like, would, do you guys feel that way too? I just feel like I, I just can't see Babs in a big moment saying, "You know what? We're going to play McElhinney." I could just see him running Anderson to the ground. Yeah, uh, I I unfortunately think that's going to happen too. I don't. I wish he wouldn't do that, but it's something that wouldn't shock me at all. He's just so competitive. I just couldn't see him with like. His whole idea behind it would be, you know, I'm going my best guy. I'm going who I feel gives us the best chance to win, even though, you know, there might be some things to say otherwise. I think he doesn't give a shit. He's just going to roll who he thinks is the best. Die with his guys, per se. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you and, and you and you want to show your your faith and trust in, in him as well. You don't, you're not going to want to shelter him and, and kind of feel like you're doing him. You're trying to do him a favor by not playing him all the time. So I get that. Yeah, look at the Leafs D. You know, I mean, there's a lot of issues here. Um, obviously, like like Jake. Would I'd prefer to not to. You prefer not to? Okay. <laughs> Jake would like to take the fifth. That, you know, Jake would like to just... take the fifth in this uh, in this part of the segment. Okay, exactly. Well, you know, we're gonna talk about a new guy that they brought in that because Alexei Marchenko is kind of interesting in my opinion. Um, he's somebody that can be like a steady third line guy. You know, nothing too fancy. I mean, he's probably done his development most defensive peak at 25. So he is what he is. But who comes out of the lineup for him to get a chance to draw into the lineup? Uh, oh, literally anybody not named Zaitsev, Riley, and Gardner. Yeah. I mean, Carrick has kind of fallen to favor of Babcock as well, but Carrick would have to go through a major slump in order to in order to get I, – I think he's he's reserved for a, like a third, as you're saying, a third pairing role. So it could be a case where Polak could be banged up and needs a day off. I mean, we've seen with Hunwick getting a – Getting a day, a couple of days off. So, yeah, it, it, he he's fighting. He's fighting between Polak and Hunwick if he wants uh, if he wants to play. I mean, the day he was claimed, everybody was saying that he's instantly the Leafs' fourth best defenseman. That's sad. I could buy that, but here's the thing: Carrick played a team low, thirteen minutes tonight among defensemen. You know, Hunwick and Polak both played more than him tonight. Um, we saw this act with Marinson a couple games ago that he sat the next game. So is that bad news for Carrick maybe? I mean, Babcock usually doesn't play guys. Like, he doesn't sit guys for no reason. Well, he, yeah, yeah, and he had that dumb penalty. Well, I wouldn't say dumb penalty, but uh, a penalty that he shouldn't have taken in the third period. Um, so, And I know he didn't, He said after the game he wasn't happy about it. So that could that could be part of the reason too. Yeah, Carrick... I think I think Babcock is trying to keep that Gardner Carrick pairing together because he likes the well he wants to keep the chemistry there but I mean you can't yeah you can't have Carrick playing so Carrick yeah he played 13 minutes you can't you can't have still him 19 play, shifts but, but yeah we can't have him playing 13 minutes like Hunwick played 15 uh, close to 16 Polak had over 17 and then like Gardner played. 20 and he also had to play oh geez he played five minutes on the power play like so i get that i get that carrick i don't know carrick hasn't been awful but he hasn't been i mean in the in especially, <laughs> i mean no well he hasn't been the worst defenseman on the team that's for sure that's not saying much either though <laughs> i mean you kind of sound like you're on the fence oh he kind of sound like yeah, he's, he is, he's okay he's, 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 he's not he's it could be worse four. He's not a top four, that's for sure. He, but he's playing in the top four because who else are they going to put? That's a good point. Uh, it's it's, it's that's, that's it, they don't have. Let's just put it this way: they don't have a uh, postseason uh, caliber defense. No, and we found but that they, out. we found they that have out a Stanley hard. Cup caliber offense. It's pretty damn good right now the offense, but now that you mentioned the playoffs, why don't we get into that a little bit? Where you know. Obviously, this team is seventh if you go by points percentage in the East. Um, they're on the outside looking in right now. What's going to prevent this team from making the playoffs, guys? Obviously, the defense is one major issue, but is there something else? Or is it just strictly the D? 
Injuries. Injuries to Anderson or a, a defenseman like Gardner, Riley, or Zaitsev. That's yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious being an injury, it, it, it's it's a defense by far. I mean, they are so bad. I mean, even it's not even just the bottom level guys. Morgan Riley looks really bad right now. And I don't know if he's still hurt or he's just trying to go out there and play for the team. But, you know, I would really appreciate it if he doesn't play, if he's injured, because he's actually been playing kind of as a deficit to the team. Well, well, he my, is still hurt. Yeah. Like he's been walking around practice with uh, heavy ice. And tape. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, O Dog was saying it today. If you're, if once you put on that jersey, you're considered healthy, and I agree. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between being injured and being hurt. You can play through, you know, being hurt, but if you're injured, take a seat. Yeah, exactly. And he's clearly injured, and don't let him get hurt any more than he is. I mean, I'm not really sure of what his specific injury is. It's his ankle, isn't it? They said it was yeah, like right a high, ankle, like a high ankle sprain or something like that. Yeah, which is oh, it's a hell of an injury. It's tough to skate on and turn. He even said he goes uh, when I make certain cuts and turn a certain way, I, I feel it kind of push off the side of my skate. So, you know, he's like, I'll just play through it. That's what he was saying after skate around Monday. There you go. Yeah. Well, health-wise, the Leafs have been extremely fortunate this year. Aside from Ben Smith up front, they've had no injuries. And, of course, Riley on defense. Do you guys see that sustaining? A lot of the rookies, obviously, this is the longest season they've ever played. Um, people love to read into the narrative that, you know, they've never played this many games before. They're either going to slow down, hit a wall, or they're going to get injured. Do you think they're going to stay healthy or hit a wall, either or? I I, I don't. I mean... They haven't shown that they're that they've been feeling any like bumps or bruises or anything because these guys are have done a great job of avoiding contact and just getting roughed up. I mean, Marner and Matthews have been roughed up a little bit the last couple games, but that hasn't slowed them down. Um, yeah, I think these guys are. I mean, they're always in great shape, Uh, and the veteran players, especially offensively, could could help them if they go through a slump. Guys like JBR, Bozak have contributed nicely in those roles. A guy like Soshnikov, who's proven he still has a great shot, has done that as well. So I think that's that's what will help them is they do have depth when it comes to scoring. I, I don't really worry about the rookies. I, I think they're just the adrenaline and being in close games and important games will just keep them motivated through in this, in this stretch right now. I don't see it at all either. I mean, they're carrying the team. Like, what rookie wall? I, I mean, did you see Marner against the Islanders? He was everywhere. He's been ridiculous. He's uh, seventh among active players to reach the most. I think in 50 games, he's got, like, the seventh most assists among active players. or something like that I saw the other night. It was pretty they, crazy. On uh, on the radio today, they were talking about him potentially making Team Canada next season. And, I mean, based on his numbers, I can't really fault that uh, belief he's been incredible i mean uh, i don't see them hitting a wall if they have if they are going to hit a wall when is it i mean they've just been so good that uh i i i just can't see it i don't buy the wall narrative either i mean it's something i've been hearing a lot more of but what do you guys think about the idea of possibly Babcock leaning more on the rookies instead of saying, you know, they might let's slow them down, peel back here? Like, let's say deploying maybe Matthews or Marner more together when they needed goals, like the way Chicago does with Taze and Kane. 
Is that something you might see Babcock doing down the stretch, guys? Or do you think he's just going to let him play on two separate lines the entire time? I think he wants to play on two separate lines. I mean, people have asked him, and he says Marner can carry his own line. Um, we, we've seen it, yeah, when they're desperate for a goal, he will put them together, and they instantly put, put together their dangerous offensive chances, so there's always that possibility. But I think he just doesn't want to isolate them on one line. I think it's easy. It, the team's whole philosophy is to have four lines that are going to match up against the other team's lines. I mean, looking at Marner's stats, he's only had. I'm just looking here. Like his best month was was January, and now going into February, he's he's kind of carrying that over. I don't see a point of putting it with Matthews unless it's, you're like your team is going through a major offensive slip, which I don't think is going to happen for this team. Uh, they seem to do well carrying it offensively. So, no, I, I don't see a point in, in in putting them together. They're better split up. And I think having Nylander on his own line, too, really helps as well. Because he can carry a line as a winger, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, as Babs was saying. I mean, that's, that's so rare for, a, like, a teenager, especially, on the wing to carry a line. But that's what he's been doing, and it's been... Extremely like, impressive. Like the question I have: Can Liney and Shifley play away from each other? Uh, well, I mean, Liney doesn't play with Shifley. Only in the power he? play. Does he? Really? Who does Liney play? Really? Oh. Yeah, they broke him up recently. It's, oh, I uh, they probably uh, played yeah, most of the season. Shifley and Wheeler, and then Cope, Andrew Cope. Cop. Oh. Cop. Yeah, my bad. Well, I thought they played most of the season together. That's why I got. Uh, yeah, I'm. Per- I would check that. No, they have played most of the season together. It was just yeah. recent. Okay, but yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like, has Line A performed better when he's not playing with with Shifley, or has he played worse? They- I mean, Line has been a beast on the power play too, right? Well, that's just another. I mean, so has. Uh, well, actually, well, Matthews is is one of the best. I mean, he's the least best player at even strength. You could say Nylander's their be- probably their best on the power play, and Marner's kind of the in between. But yeah, I think probably a little bit better at even strength. That's probably what makes them more successful is that they're better at even strength than they are on the power play. You say Line in comparison, or Matthews and Marner in comparison to Line? I just think just on their like, if you look at what Matthews and Marner and whether they can sustain what they're doing. It's because they're playing so well on the uh, at even strength that they don't really rely on the power play to get their to get their numbers to where they are. Like Liney, I think relies a little bit more on the on the power play because of his shot. He needs to have you know, the perfect setup for that shot. So that that's what I think. That's why they're this is a little bit of a difference I see b- between the the two the rookies there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if, imagine sticking Matthews on a power play with Bufflin, oh. <laughs> Shifley, Wheeler, yeah. you know, and then you could pick between Truba. Like, there's a lot of guys that they have there that can help contribute. Like, yeah, for sure. I'm sure Matthews approaches some pretty damn good numbers too. Like he's, like you guys said earlier, he's doing this. I with mean, two he's rookies. not playing with he's not playing with Scrubs himself. No, I know he's not, but I mean, I think we could all agree those guys are slightly a step up right now. Like the Blake yes. Wheelers and Bufflins of the world are slightly better, not significantly, but enough, you know. Well, yeah, so okay. I, I think like sure. just imagine Matthews playing with some veteran guys like that. Yeah, he's carrying yeah. he's carrying a line of rookies with Hyman and Brown who are not considered like on the Shifley level. Although Connor Brown yeah. has played with Connor McDavid before and produced, so 
<laughs> yeah, he did pretty well with that guy. I heard he's pretty good. Um, if Matthews keeps up at this pace then of how he's playing and the least make the playoffs, do you guys think he'll receive any hard trophy votes? The last time the Maple Leafs got any significant award was in 1993 when Gilmore won the Selkie and Pat Burns won the Coach of the Year. But since then, they haven't really had any awards. No, and I think maybe I think Cujo might have gotten some Vesna nods when he was in Toronto, and I'm not sure if uh, I mean I'm just looking up. The only guy I could think of that would have been had anything close would have been Matt Sundin, and he got some heart. I mean, he got some heart votes when when he in kind of the early stages and being in Toronto. But yeah, no, I don't. Uh, Matthews will definitely get some votes. I just don't think it's going to be enough to put him over the. T- I mean, obviously, not put him over a guy like Crosby, McDavid. Um, I guess Holtby for Washington. I'm just trying to think who else would be in that conversation for the Hart Trophy. There's just so many Burns, Burns for yeah, Burns. Yeah, Burns for San Jose. Um, who would you say for? I'm I'm just trying to think of like top teams and. Well, I'm more curious if you guys think he's even going to get any votes. I think well, that'd be impressive for a 19-year-old to get votes. Oh, I think he'll get. He'll votes. probably get some. He'll definitely get some, because uh, especially with the the writers are. I mean, how many how many writers have been impressed with how Matthews has played? They'll definitely give him uh, some good consideration there. Well, a lot of people were saying too at the All Star game they were surprised and impressed at how much of a quote unquote celebrity slash rock star he is because. Everybody knows of him vaguely, but they're all curious to find out more about him. So I think that just tells you how much hype is around him. He's the number two selling jersey in the NHL this year behind yeah, Crosby. That's, like, that's, that's insane. Right. Yeah, it is. Yep. But it's also, I mean, you can't barely, it's so hard to get a Matthews jersey in Toronto and Marner as well. So that, that adds to it as well. Yeah, I mean, you just look around the ACC right now, and all you see is number 34. Everywhere. Or whenever I go to games around the uh, at opposing rinks, I mean the only names I really see are Matthews and Marner. I mean, you know, I I myself would probably pick them too, but it's it's kind of shocking how you just don't see any other guys. Pretty much, those those are the two main guys. I I'm actually shocked that Marner's not in that uh, in that uh, top ten. He he might be, but. Uh, I'm not really sure. That's you'd probably know better than me. I just saw that um, the top five and Marner wasn't on it, but no, he you wasn't. know, something you talked about earlier in the season, Jake, was you previewed the Calder Trophy and all that. I mean, we can go over this really quickly because it's just pretty much all Leafs atop the Calder list. But right now, is Matthews not the slight favorite over Line? And then you know, you could argue Marner is extremely close. Like it's kind of a tight race up top with Nylander being the dark horse, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty much uh, one, two, three in that order. There's, that's pretty much locked in right now. I know Zach Rensky is a lot of people that are uh, big fans of his, but I think he's just been surpassed. He's kind of slowed down a little bit. So has the, so has the entire Columbus Blue Jackets team. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be that way. I, I, I think Mitch Marner is going to have to outscore all of those guys to get votes over like Matthews and, yeah. and, uh, and line a, but yeah, for me, it's, it's Matthews to lose pretty much. Unless line goes on a absolute tear. Unless he scores 45 goals, but I'm, I don't see it. Matthews is on pace for 40. Yep. So 
And he plays center, which I still think people value more than a winger. Exactly. They do, 100%. Although, last time we had such a highly debated uh, race, it was between a winger and a center, and the winger won, so Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, but yeah, he oh, yeah. Was, he had how many fifty? How many goals? Over fifty goals, didn't he? In that, I believe he had fifty-five goals, but Crosby himself had uh, like hundred five hundred five points. Uh, well, I can tell you right now, Ovechkin had. Uh, they both had over a hundred points. I think it was pretty much they had the same amount of points. Okay, so he had fifty-two in his rookie season. Had one hundred six points. Uh, Crosby. Crosby, I think, had a hundred, and if I'm not, well, I'll double check. But I'm pretty sure Crosby had it's like 113. I think. No, he had less. He, de- I think, he, yeah, he definitely he had a hundred and 102. Oh, he knew he had 102? less. Jeez. <laughs> Even still, man, 102. Like, oh, I wrote yeah. he. They were the last two rookies to get 100 point seasons. Yeah, it's uh, that's an incredible number. I mean, we'll see. Hope maybe it comes down in the future, but or the points per game go up. Sorry, but no, I don't think. I don't, oh, I'm, I don't know, man. I don't know. The, maybe you never know with the way you know pant sizes and and all that stuff. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty incredible. 100 points for considering we might not even have a guy hit 100 points this season. Right. Well, Mick Jesus or Crosby might take care of that. But I love how the pants has became like a hot topic recently. The goalie pants. Yeah. <laughs> Poor goalies. Like, I don't think the pants are what's keeping the keeping the pucks from going in the net. It's no, I think it's the size of the goalies. The size of the goalies and the glo- I mean the glove, like the actual like glove. If you look at it, has is ridiculous how big it is. I don't know how they catch pucks with that. I mean, guys, this guys are humongous now. That also adds in. Mm-hmm. They're as big as the Nets. They're huge. Okay, before we get out of here, I, this guy's an asshat, but Gary Lawless, you know, did his little trade thing about how the Leafs should go and trade uh, <laughs> Nylander for Brandon Montour or Manson or one of the Ducks defensemen. Basically I mean, what everybody's been saying, including myself, for the last, what, two, three months? Yeah, I mean, he's just scorching hot takes of shit all the time that the Jets have a brighter future just plays into his market he he actually nauseates me I get what he's trying to do you know where he is and the market he's trying to feed to but come on man um all of my BS aside and my distaste for him would you guys do Nylander for any of these Anaheim Duck defensemen no unless no. they game more than one of them yeah like if they did if they if they did a two for one package sure but they're not going to do that and especially because they're in a bind. I mean, they can't keep all of them. Nope. They can't. So they can't. Keep I'd be like, all. I'd be like, you can lose them or you can get, get something from me. It's if your you, choice. Like if you actually look at like how, how like screwed they are when it comes to the expansion draft, like they're, I think they're banking on keeping some of these younger defenses because they're going to lose someone when it comes yeah. to like, they have to protect Bieksa unless he waves his, no movement clause and gets traded. Um, and like they can only, I mean, they have to keep Perry gets off Kessler. They got to decide between Vatanen, Fowler, Lindholm, uh, Josh Manson. They like. Uh, let's see. They have Simone. De you Pre- haven't even said Shea Theodore yet. 
Well, Shea Theodore's protected, so they're they're lucky. I don't I don't know. If I he don't is. know about that, man. I'm I, yeah, I don't I think he was Montour done. is either. No, Mon. I'm looking at it right now on Cap Friendly. So Shea Theodore, all three the big well, call them the big three are all protected, but they're also RFAs at the end of next season, so they need new contracts. I mean, Montour just scored this past weekend. Because he's playing, they look good Vadden. again tonight too. He played. Yeah, he's, he's, good... he's playing for Vadden because Vadden's injured right now. So he's an awesome skater too, man. Montour. That guy's been tearing up the AHL for the past year and a half. Like I know, I just don't understand how you can have a guy just sitting rotting away in your AHL team when he doesn't belong there, and you're not the greatest team in the league right now. It doesn't make sense to me. Right? Their offense. They don't have an offense. A lot of guys have taken a downward spiral for them, right? I mean, Corey Perry's production has just fallen off a cliff with Carlisle there. Their first line has now became the Silverberg-Kessler line as opposed to the Getzlaff-Perry. They're kind of in transition, right, in that sense, I guess. Yeah, I was actually really shocked at how good a year uh, Kessler's been having. I mean, that was that was pretty shocking to me, to be honest. Him and Silverberg have been lights out, dude. Yeah, I, I remember I was talking, and I'm like, they're saying, yeah, uh, Kessler's got – like 45 points or something. I'm like, no way. I looked up and he's somehow has 45 points. Right. He hasn't looked as good. Like since he's had hip surgeries. Yeah. He looks, he looks quite good. Okay. So what would you guys give up for one of these defensemen? I know you both said, you know, you kind of take the patient approach and just wait until they are forced to make a deal. But what would you give up if you had to? I would pick some prospects. Yeah. Forward prospects. That's what the Leafs have an abundance of. And that's what Anaheim needs. And guys that yeah. and guys they wouldn't have to protect in the expansion draft, like people. Like, they, this is going to be the biggest factor is the expansion draft. The Leafs have forwards that they don't have to protect. They don't have to, the Leafs don't have to protect anyone basically. Well, like yeah, they don't have anyone to protect. I I, I think if I'm the Leafs, JVR is the guy I would look at to move for one of those defensemen. If like if the deal was right, that's the guy. Just because I don't know what his contract's going to be like when his is up. Right. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to get. Like, if the cap goes up more, I mean, he'll probably get anywhere from, what, 6 to maybe $8 million? I know eight's extremely high, but eight's if the cap increases, high. that's going to go with it. If, if he goes to UFA, he could get between seven, seven and a half, and that's on the low end. Like That's like what his market value should probably be as a, as a UFA. But somebody could He's getting paid. Uh, he that's... That's the thing I think we can all agree on. He's taken a big, pay- he's taken a good discount because he got that good deal. Well, at the time it was it wasn't working out for the Flyers, but it worked out graciously for the Leafs. So. Yeah, that's some that's that's something that I was uh, I was joking around with my dad about on how they could get a defenseman. They basically have to do that JVR trade, but the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to rip off some team and get a defenseman. They they yeah they got to do that deal. Uh, it would be hard to find a team that would be willing to to deal from a position of strength on defense for a forward and get you know kind of ripped off. But you, you never know. There's a lot of stupid GMs out there. The other thing is Anaheim can afford to give up one of these defensemen because they have so many, and then they could just go ahead and draft someone if they're. Since they've seen to know how to draft defensemen well enough, they can just replace the guy that they've given up. 
I mean, the guy that's not even being talked about is like Jacob Jacob Larson, who's in their prospect pool. He's another guy that's going to be a top six defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, they just it's like a factory. They can just find them. They might have ten guys that are capable of being NHL defensemen in the top six. It's yeah. And it isn't. Yeah. I was just gonna say it's impressive. It's yeah, impressive. It to frame it. I mean, it's it's impressive because I mean everybody wondered how how were the Anaheim Ducks such a great defensive team under Bruce Boudreau, who's not known as a defensive coach, and then you look at who they have, and then their goaltending is really good, but their offense. I mean, that's the that's the thing where you know it's like kind of a genius thing, but kind of not. How do you have this many assets? And you haven't parlayed it into anything for your offense, and you have an aging core of players. Well, That's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. I'm scared to be aggressive. I don't. I just don't know why. You should be all in right now if you're them, because you're looking around. You're not. You're probably not going to beat Minnesota. You're definitely not beating uh, Pittsburgh or Washington in the finals. Probably you have will to beat Chicago or San Jose. No, probably not. So uh, I think they're probably the fifth best team in their conference right now. Unless they make a move that will shoot them drastically up. Drastically improve that. Yeah. They're the same be, spot as like uh, St. Louis, man. A, like, good, a good deal for them would be if they could get a guy like uh, maybe a Landeskog or a Duchesne for one of those defensemen. Because they'd basically be giving up nothing. And they, you give up a first, one of those defensemen, and you could get Duchesne, who's a top six player, and he's got a lot of years left on his deal. I love how we just turn this into an Anaheim Ducks podcast. <laughs> just talk about how, how, how to make them better, and like the Leafs fans are just like, okay. Hey, how to make them better so then they can make us better. This is Gary Lawless's fault, by the way. It always is. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the summer, though. The rumors are going to be scorching hot. The takes are going to be unreal this, this offseason. Oh. The expansion draft and everything. Like, I'm actually really excited to see how it's going to even work out. Me too. Like, I'm I'm trying to think, because the Leafs are obviously going to go out and get a defenseman, but I have no idea who it could be or what they could give up. I guess guess a question for you would be, if you had to get a defenseman, say Brandon Montour, uh, you you get a call from the Ducks, and they say to you guys, they say, hey, Dave, hey, Chris, we have Brandon Montour. Give us your best deal. What would you offer for a defenseman like that? Uh, well, individually, what would each of you offer? Because I have talking, an idea what I would offer. We're talking in the off season. Yes. All right, I'll let you go first, Chris. I'm thinking. Mm, I have an ideally. Idea. If you're Anaheim, you'd probably want JVR because you know RFA contract, which they could bridge over. But if they're all in, which they should be for the following season, JVR makes sense. But if on the Leafs, I'd. I'd be kind of hesitant to part ways with him, knowing you could get more for him later. I'd probably offer them like a prospect and draft picks, like maybe like a, a second round pick and a low end prospect or a mid tier prospect. If I'm the lease, I'm seeing where Kirby Reichel fits and what he's he's been playing a lot better for the Marlies. So I would try to say him, and you would add the as Chris say add a pick to kind of sweeten the pot. Because Kirby Reichel has played m- much better for the Marlies, this especially when Kapanen went down. It's been on a tear, and he's the guy type of guy that 
Randy Carlisle would love to have. A tough guy. He's I, I think if if you give him the opportunity in the NHL, I think he would I think he would do well. He he has the size, he has he's got the offensive ability. I just think he hasn't had the chance to show it. So like I would say Reichel is the prospect and you would you would have to add a pick like a second round pick, which at least have an abundance of you could you can even go with two mid like a, a Reichel and another prospect, and then like make the pick lower. I think Anaheim would prefer to go go with a with a more skilled offensive guy than a a bruiser, but I think Reichel could be the good uh, in betweener for them. Well, and, and what pick did you say? Well, it depends. If I'm if I'm dealing Reichel, then I would add a second. If they want more than Reichel, so like another prospect, then I would do a lower pick, like a third or a fourth pick. Interesting. I, I, I think what I would offer is, is a guy like a Nikita Korotsalev or like oh. a Durkles, maybe maybe two or th- two of those guys and one of the three second-round picks that the Leafs have. So you're going way down in there. I, I don't know if Anaheim is going to want a guy that's – that, I mean, the, the, guy who I, the guys who I were thinking of – that I don't know how interested they'd be in would be like guys like Andreas Janssen or Dima, Dimitro Timoshov. Um, I would be hesitant to offer a guy like Kasperi Kapanen or uh, a Jeremy Bracco, those but that might be what they ask for. It's I mean, that, another another yeah. guy who the Leafs have that's another sleeper that they pulled out of the out of the trash bin is I mean Adam Brooks. I mean, oh, yeah, they were talking about about this on Leafs lunch and how Adam Brooks is, is looking, looking. Yeah. And he, he was an overager and he looks like he's going to be a real, real contributor at the NHL level. He looks like a guy that can definitely score in the NHL someday. I don't know if I would be inclined to give up a guy with as high as upside as those guys like Brooks, Kapanen, and Bronco. But you know, at, th- at that point, you know, you might just have to bite the bullet and trade one of those guys to get the defenseman that fits your need. I, I would I would actually be willing to overpay for him. Well, and you- well here's where I'm curious is because you look at last year when Seth Jones for Johansson, and then you had um, Larson for Taylor Hall. Like, obviously, that's the market at the NHL level, but what would an AHL top prospect about to enter the NHL, like a Montour, like what, what's his value? Like I just I don't know because we've seen the value of defensemen skyrocket. So is it the same thing when it comes to training prospects? I think it would be different because it's not an established player. I, I it's, it would obviously be less. I mean, you're not doing Taylor Hall for Larson. I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh. Um, but oh, but it, somebody would do that, and they've already done it. Well, yeah, dumb teams, desperate teams would do that, but <clears> sane <throat> teams wouldn't do that. <laughs> same teams. Are, are you sure there's still same same teams? GM? A same I mean, GM. He, he's the guy wow. that traded uh, Tyler Sagan, and I don't. I really don't think they have one asset from that deal still on the team. Hey, Louis Erickson wasn't bad for a little bit. <laughs> that gave me yeah, a straight okay. face. Oh man, Boston. Oh Boston. How those Dougie I mean, Hamilton picks work? Yeah, exactly. They they blew three straight first round picks. Maybe that's why they're firing a coach that's a Jack Adams winger and a Stanley Cup champion when they're garbage. Not bad for a pair of Harvard grads. Yeah, yeah. Just goes to show maybe uh, maybe you need to get out and do something outside of looking at a book all day. Uh, <laughs> what money can buy? What money can buy? Maybe watch maybe watch a hockey uh, a hockey game and. So you can tell who's good and who's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe head to the bean pot. <laughs> yeah, maybe do that. 
It's, Maybe it's, not it's only thing. in your building. Only four good teams. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, guys, I'd say uh, we've covered most of the stuff with this. You know, we're deviating way off topic here. Um, thanks, As Jake. always, go ahead. Oh, Jake. No, I'm just saying thanks to Jake for deviating us off topic. Like he usually no, I think does. it was a good conversation, man. I mean, oh, definitely. You know. I don't mind having a nice little chat. I'm Italian. Us Italians like to talk. <laughs> hey, I love talking about anything to do with NHL in terms of like the league and how we can just kind of spin it back to the Leafs after. It makes it fun. Definitely does. But, as always, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Trauma Police Podcast on Tip of the Tower. You can always subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can also like our Facebook page at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe or you can follow us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Pretty much anything, anywhere, social media at Tip of the Tower. I'm sure you've heard me say it enough now at Tip of the Tower. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Dave at D underscore Morisuti. You can follow Jake at Jake Milton 12. Thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy the least game this week. Sweden, William Nylander. The Knights, Mitch Marner. 